Assalamu alaikum. Aha, I got one malaikum salam back, so I greet you with peace. Mangilendi nuyu chisunyu burbi yesu, ki moesunyu burbi chikau akshi sosiitimit. I greet you in the name of Jesus, our King, who reigns on high and here on the earth below. A little wolf from the country of Senegal, where Becky and I have been living for the last uh, 10 years. What a privilege to be here this morning, Pastor James. Thank you for allowing me to come and to share a little bit what God is up to on the African continent and the part that you play as a church to have an impact in Africa. Wow, what a great banquet last night. You know, that was a little bit of preview of heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be like that, Pastor James. My problem was I was kind of stuck over in the Africa section because there were foods there that I had grown up with, like there was akume and sauce, there were plantains, there was boma, which is a spinach. Wow, I was in heaven on earth last night at that. Thank you, Pastor James, for organizing. And I love the vision of your church to reach the nations for Christ. As I was looking through the list of the missionaries you support, wow, powerful people impacting the continents for Christ. I saw Harry Osland on here, Harry and Beth Osland, long-term missionaries who are having a great impact in Angola. I saw your sister on here who's had a powerful impact in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And then I see people on here who are literally living where there is no church, but are living there bearing out the witness to Jesus Christ so that there can be a church in places like Djibouti and other places. Thank you for your vision to touch the world with the message of Jesus Christ. I want to say a big thank you to you as well for your investment in the country of Togo and your investment in the country of Burkina Faso. There is great revival in those two countries, and you have helped fan the flames of revival there by providing that deaf school right outside of the city of Lomé. You're reaching a marginalized people in the that part of Africa. Thank you for your investment in the library and the dorms for Burkina Faso, helping fan the flames of great revival in that country as they continue to train workers so that every village in Burkina Faso can have a church. That's the vision of the Assemblies of God Church in Burkina Faso, that all 8,000 villages would have a local church. Hallelujah for that vision, and you're a part of that. For the last 36 years, I've had the privilege of serving as an Assemblies of God missionary on the African continent. Becky and I, my wife, Becky and I have been serving together since 1988. We have been supported by great churches like your church. Now, I think there should be a white picture of my wife, Becky, up there. I'm not sure why I was blessed to have such a wonderful wife, but there is a little African proverb that puts it into perspective. It's in the Maori language, and it simply says this, Rawenga Sansinki which means that even an ugly man is better than a dead one. So, uh, yeah, some of you guys can understand where I'm at on that. The Lord has blessed us with three sons, Luke, Nathan, and Micah. Luke, our oldest, was born in Senegal. They all love Africa. They all want to be back uh, living on the African continent. Our ministry has always involved the training of African leaders. Since May of this year, we've been serving as the director of Africa's Hope. Africa's Hope desires to resource the emerging generation of African leaders to fulfill the Great Commission on the African continent and beyond. And I say and beyond because the African church is now sending missionaries. 
across Africa. Some of them have even been sent to North America. Hallelujah. We have a great team of partners on the African continent and also a group of missionaries that work with us at Africa's Hope in Springfield, Missouri. The hope of Africa is spirit-empowered, biblically-trained leaders. Now, I love this map of AGWM Africa, AGWM Africa from 1939. There were some great pioneers, when you look on this map, who blazed the trail for the revival that we are experiencing in Africa today. Look at the numbers, 1939. There were 95 missionaries, 127 native workers, 33 mission stations, 92 outstations, and 13,000 believers in that missionary endeavor. That was 25 years after the Assemblies of God was formed here in the United States in 1914. The number of missionaries was almost as large as the number of African workers. But they dared to believe that Africans, empowered by the Spirit of God and trained in God's Word, could turn a dark continent to light. Hallelujah. For their vision to go. Hallelujah. For their vision to dare to believe that any woman, man, touched by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, can be an agent in God's hand to transform the nations. Fast forward now to 1989. The Assemblies of God churches in Africa had grown from 92 outstations to almost 13,000 churches, up from 127 workers to 11,000 trained pastors and over 2 million adherents. That was great growth. It was Africa's hope was birthed at that moment to help resource the African church. There was a great group of African leaders and American missionaries who came together and they said, we need to grow this church from 2 million to 15 million believers on the African continent. Today, 32 years later, thanks to the many missionaries who have been sent by churches like yours, thanks to the Africans who have gone and borne the heat of the day in difficult places, there are now 83,000 local Assemblies of God churches on the African continent, over 80,000 trained pastors, and over 23 million believers. Somebody say, praise the Lord. This has happened because training has been at the center of the work in Africa. Bible schools and training centers are critical to the ongoing work in Africa. We believe that God desires to have a vibrant church within walking distance of every African. We believe that. There's a lot of places in rural Africa where nobody has any vehicle. They have to walk. But if there's a church that they can walk to, they can hear the message of Jesus Christ, and their lives can be transformed just like your life has been transformed by the power of the gospel. This morning, for just a few moments, I want to talk about the power of arriving on time. The power of arriving on time. I'm going to look at a text in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, begin reading with verse number 26. Here's what the text says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Skip down to the next verse, verse 35. 
Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Ha! I love this story in Acts chapter 8. It seems so bizarre to me. So you remember that Acts 8.1, there's persecution that breaks out against the church. They were having a party in Jerusalem, but God wanted them to reach the nations. So persecution breaks out, and they began to scatter everywhere, and everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. Philip goes down to Samaria. There's a powerful revival happening. People are being delivered from demons. People are being healed. People are being saved. John and Peter come down. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in tongues. It's a great thing happening there in Samaria. And in the middle of that revival, God sends an angel to Philip. He says, Philip, I want you to go out on the desert road. Now, I think if I had been Philip, pastor, I would have said, uh, no, hang on a minute. Don't you see the, the revival happening here? But God had a plan. God desires to win individuals to himself. And he had in view that Ethiopian eunuch that he wanted to win into his kingdom. And so he sent Philip out on that desert road. Now I'm perplexed by the story a bit because you remember that there he meets that Ethiopian eunuch who's riding in his chariot. He comes up alongside of him and that Ethiopian eunuch is reading out of the book of Isaiah about the suffering servant, about Jesus Christ. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I understand unless somebody explains to me? He needed a Jesus follower to explain to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up from verse number 35. And from that very text, Philip explained to him the truth about Jesus Christ. They went a little bit further and they saw a pond of water. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, hey, can I be baptized? They go down into the water. Philip pushes him under the water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He pops back up out of the water and the Spirit picks Philip up and drops him in another location. Now hang on here. What's wrong with this story? Why didn't the Spirit pick Philip up when he was in Samaria and drop him inside of the chariot with that Ethiopian eunuch? Because God needed Philip's obedience to accomplish the Great Commission. And God still needs my obedience and your obedience in order that every woman, every man, and every child on the planet would have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here this morning. God's laying an opportunity out before us to touch the nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. That Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith in Christ, and then he goes back to Ethiopia. Now, it's impossible to say if you can draw a direct line between the revival happening in Ethiopia today and the Ethiopian eunuch. However, we do know that the Ethiopian, there's been a church in Ethiopia since the early beginnings of Christian history. The Coptic church came out of that happening. And then the Coptic church became quite liturgical and stuck in local language called Geze, akin to what the Catholic church fell into for a while in only working in Latin instead of working in local languages. But then there began a Pentecostal movement inside of Ethiopia. They began to preach in local language, in Afan Oromo, in uh, 
Amharic, and other languages. In 1960, there was only 1% of the population in Ethiopia that was Pentecostal. Then in 1974, the Derg began in Ethiopia, overthrowing the monarchy and replacing it with a Marxist government. It was during this time that great persecution broke out against the Pentecostal believers in Ethiopia. That persecution created revival. Today, there are several million Pentecostals in the country of Ethiopia. The Assemblies of God Church happens to just be a part of that group. Watch this short video that gives you a little bit of glimpse into the country of Ethiopia. As I speak this morning, Ethiopia is in deep turmoil. There's great ethnic tensions taking place in that country. We need to pray that God would bring priests to Ethiopia. We need to pray that God would raise the church in that country as it's surrounded by some Islamic countries, that God would raise up the Ethiopian church to reach the Somalis, to reach the people in Yemen that we saw talked about, to go where Maybe as an American missionary, I couldn't go, but they can go and take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's power in training just one worker. It's said that you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. The same could be said about training workers around the world. In 1995, Becky and I were leading the Senegal Bible Institute right outside the city of Dakar, and we were planting a church in the city of Yumbul, a city of 100,000 people that at that time had no church, no gospel witness. We were working with a great student by the name of Nicodem Bies. He was a student with us at the Senegal Bible Institute. I remember we sent him out one day to Yumbul just to stand on the street and talk to people and begin to evangelize. As he was standing there on the street, a woman by the name of Mrs. Coley came walking up to him. She was the third wife to a Muslim man. In fact, she didn't know that her husband had two other wives until she had been married to him for six months. She was discouraged. She was without hope. But that day, because a student was standing on the street corner, she heard the message of Jesus Christ for the first time. She came to faith. She's raised her children to be followers of Jesus. And literally, she has touched hundreds of lives in the country of Senegal. Why? Because churches like your church sent a missionary to Africa who began to invest in the life of a local believer who then went out and multiplied himself by winning other people to Christ. Hallelujah. Africa's a huge place. Africa's my home. Next week, 
will have been 59 years since I arrived in Africa. I was born in Africa. That's how I arrived there 59 years ago. But look at the size of Africa. You can put the U, Texas. Oh, well, Texas goes, and that's surprising if you're from Texas. Uh, the U.S. will go in, Western Europe, India, China, parts of Asia will all fit in the landmass that's called Africa. It's just a huge place. It's a huge place where there's great revival, but there's still great need to bring the gospel. I had the privilege of being born in Africa and spending most of my growing up years there. My first years were spent in Burkina Faso, and later my family moved to Togo, two places that you've invested in. Thank you for your investment in places that I love. When my family arrived in Lome, Togo, in the south of Togo in January 1970, there was only one Assemblies of God church in the city of Lome. There were probably three or four other evangelical churches in the city. It was in the mid-1980s that revival hit Togo. Today, there are over 150 Assemblies of God churches in the city of Lome, and well over 40,000 people already attended church this morning. Can you say praise the Lord? Across Togo, there were over 2,500 Assemblies of God churches, 1,260 pastors, all paid by local churches in Togo, and well over 400,000 adherents. The Togolese are taking the gospel to every corner of Togo and also sending missionaries. They've got a great missionary who's been serving in the country of Chad, winning Chadians to Christ. Oh, what a great hour to be alive and be a part of what God is doing on the African continent. Well, we were serving, Becky and I serving as the president of the West Africa Advanced School of Theology in Lome, Togo. We had the privilege of working with the radio Jesus Loves You. I think it should be, should be a picture of it. Uh, Radio Jesus Loves You. One of our missionary colleagues, in conjunction with the National Church of Togo, began to start this radio station on the West Africa Advanced School of Theology campus. And wow, it's had a powerful impact. Literally, hundreds of people are finding Christ as Lord and Savior through the outreach of this radio every year. I remember the day that the director of the radio, Pastor Jiwonu, walked into my office. And he said, Randy, you're not going to believe this one. He said, a woman came to my office earlier today, and here's her story. She was out in a village. She was discouraged. Her life had been difficult. She had no hope for the future. She had a rope in her hand, and she was looking for a tree outside of the village that she could hang herself on to take her life. She was walking down the path to look for that tree. A man was walking the other direction down the path, listening to a transistor radio. Now, for those of you who've been in Africa, you can understand this scene. So he had a transistor radio pressed up to his ear. And at the middle of him walking down the path, nature called. So he set his radio down beside the path, and he went out into the bushes to deal with nature. You know what I'm talking about. And... Uh, as that woman got right next to that transistor radio, the preacher preaching on the radio that this morning, an Assemblies of God pastor felt interrupted in his message, and he stopped and he said this. He said, stop. Do not harm yourself. God has a plan for your life. And she's standing there right beside the transistor radio. When the man came back from taking care of business, she said to him, who are the people talking on this radio? 
And he said, oh, that's radio Jesus loves you. Do you know Jesus? And that day he introduced her to Jesus Christ. And instead of taking her life, she found new life in the person of Jesus. The gospel arrived just on time to save that woman's life. There are other places in West Africa that are very unreached. One of those places is Niger. Niger is one of the poorest countries in the world. A country where Islam dominates most of the people. Listen to what my friend, Samson, who is a pastor in Niger, has to say. family live here in Niger. We speak the Hausa language. We love this beautiful country. It is home. I am so grateful for those who were not afraid to come to Niger to tell me about Jesus. My heart was changed and now I pray that all Hausa people would hear about Jesus. After I heard about Jesus, I went to school to learn more about the Bible. I had to read the books in another language. It was not the language of my home, my parents, and my heart. It was difficult for me. My name is Samson, and God has given me a dream. A dream to plant churches among my people. The Hausa people. So few people have a chance to hear about Jesus. Less than 1% of the 48 million Hausa speaking people follow Jesus. They are unreached, living their entire lives with no meaningful gospel witness. I learned to preach and I started a church. Now others want to become pastors like me. But because our Bible study books are not in our Hausa language, it is hard for them, just like it was hard for me. These church planters need these training materials in the language of their home. They need to know that when God speaks to them, He speaks Hausa. He speaks the language of their heart. We believe that God's going to bring a great revival to the Hausa people. Right now, Africa's Hope is translating the Discovery Series into the Hausa language. There are already five titles translated more on the way because we believe God wants more than 1% of the 48 million Hausa to be around his throne. Hallelujah. Worshiping and praising him. A great missionary couple who served in Niger for a long time, Dan and Erlene Ligon, they're pictured here with Samson. Dan and Erlene served in Niger for over 25 years, planting the church on the eastern side of that country in a place called Maradi. There's only three words to describe Maradi, hot, hot, and hot. But they went because God called them to go, because churches like your church sent them. 
Dan was praying one morning and he sensed deep in his spirit that God was leading him to a village not far from Marathi that had no church, no gospel witness. He went and he talked to the chief of the village, said, can we come and we want to talk about Jesus? The chief of the village said, no, we're Muslims. We don't want to hear about your Jesus. But Dan was convinced that God had called him to go to that village. He was conflicted. He continued to pray. About two weeks later, he was leaving Marathi, heading east, heading west, towards the capital city, Niamey. And as he came upon that village, there were people standing on the edge of the road, and they flagged him down. And they said, please, please, can you help us? Just a few minutes ago, a truck came through here and ran over a little girl. We're not sure she's going to live. Can you take her to the clinic in Marathi? So he loaded the family into his Speed the Light vehicle. Thank you if you give to Speed the Light. He turned the vehicle around. They began to drive toward Marathi, and he hadn't driven but a couple minutes. And the husband, the man, tapped him on the shoulder, said, you can stop and take us back to the village. He said, the little girl has died. If we go into Marathi, it will just cost us money. He said, please take us back to the village and we'll bury our little daughter. God prompted Dan. And Dan asked them in the house of language, would it be okay if I prayed for your daughter in the name of Jesus? He said, well, that would, that would be okay. He reached his hand from the front seat to the back seat, and he began to cry out to the Lord. He had his eyes closed. He was just crying out to the Lord. I don't know what he was saying, but he was calling out to the Lord. And all of a sudden, he heard a gasp. And they said, hey, 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 the little girl's breathing again. The little girl's breathing again. God had brought her back to life. Hallelujah. And today, there's a church in that village. Why? Because churches like your church sent a missionary who was at the right place at the right time so that people could encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friends, what you do this morning, if you have a faith promise card and you look at it and you dare to believe that God can use you as an instrument to change the nations. The hope of Africa is the gospel arriving on time. The hope of every woman, every man, every child on the planet is an opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he gave his life for them so they could have life and life eternal. What you and I do makes a difference for eternity.